Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Get Goldfinger today. Here's the scenario. You've been injured in a serious accident. The doctor says your recovery could take months, maybe even years, yet your insurance company is denying your claim every step of the way. If something like this happens to you, call me, Brian Goldfinger of Goldfinger Personal Injury Law. We have offices in Toronto, London, Peterborough, and now Kitchener-Waterloo. Visit goldfingerlaw.com and get us working for you. Hey, that's that's pretty good. You know, a preseason game that was way better than anybody deserved. Well, I guess the, the people on the Raptors, the back end of the roster, definitely deserved it because they brought it back and eventually won the game. The fourth quarter, by the way, 38-20 to 20 in favor of the Raptors. The end of this game, 125-119. to 119, They win 2-0 in preseason. They do this one in overtime. And after the Raps kind of got smashed by, well, in the second quarter, especially by the, the Celtics starters and their, the, I would say their rotation then. The Raptors played pretty great defense, I think, for most part of the first quarter. That fell apart completely in the second quarter. They gave up a bunch of stuff at the point of attack. They were lazy in rotation. They were lazy rotating after they got beat. So they are sending guys, two guys to the ball sometimes, not rotating afterwards. The Celtics had gaps to punch. They had shooters to hit the shots that were open. And the Raptors were just kind of messing around on offense as well, letting guys get to their spots, try and work on their bag. There were some standouts, of course, but it was ugly basketball. And the Raptors are no, you know, that, that's not something that's new to them. They, they'll, they'll kind of play around in the mud. And it was the mud that brought them back into it. That 38-24th quarter, was not because Pascal Siakam was in the game. It wasn't because OG was there or Scotty or Fred or any of the the people who are the the last bastion of the best players on the roster, right? Nothing like that. What it was was guys like Jeff Doughton getting more of the ball, getting into the paint, two feet in the paint, as I've been saying about this guy. That's where he gets, mixes up the defense, makes the reads from there. If it's a little pop shot for him, that's what it is. If it's a pass out above the break, that's what it is. If it's for a layup too big, that's what it is. But he's getting to places. He's stirring up the defense. I like it. The Celtics, the back end of the roster, couldn't handle it. Guys like Gabe Brown coming off a pin down, banging in, you know, a pull-up midi, hitting a three in transition, just kind of stepping in, hitting shots. That was awesome. Ken Birch playing really great defense in the middle of the Raptors roster. I mean, it was so nice to see. Difference is basically that the Raptors, like, <laughs> if, if I don't know, Scotty got beat at the point of the attack earlier in the game, and let's say Pascal steps up, right? Scotty's not properly filtering out to the guy that Scotty or that Pascal stepped out from. And the Raptors, they have to rotate for everybody because you, you give up advantage in the Celtics. 
between guys like Derek White, Brogdon, Brown, Tatum, they're going to get a step on guys. They're going to get into the paint. The Raptors are digging down on these drives. Then they're behind when that, that pass goes over the top. You know, all these things, they're behind the play. But when it was guys like Sam Hauser and Peyton Pritchard, the point of attack defense between guys like, you know, Doughton, Josh Jackson, stepping in, pretty good at keeping them from turning it downhill. But even so, Ken Burch doing a really good job of splitting the difference between his man and stepping up to help. And that was largely why the Raptors got back into this. And because when the Raptors overloaded against the, I don't know, third string, would we say, Celtics? The third string Celtics weren't really cashing triples on them. Sam Hauser, Peyton Pritchard, you know, between the two of them, I think they went like eight for 16 from three. But towards the end of the game, as like Cabangeli, Jackson, Thomas, you know, it filtered into their hands. The Raptors, they were winning those possessions. On And on the other end, the Raptors, they're playing quite a bit harder at that point. They're, they're getting it after, after it on the offensive glass. They're cutting against, you know, a defense that's loaded up. Kem Birch gets 10 points, Jackson 11, Doughton 10, DJ Wilson 8, you know, Gabe Brown, he came out and hit those two shots for five points. Coloco even, you know, a nice little left-handed hook, a nice little push shot hanging out in the dunker spot. He, I can't remember, I believe it was Peyton Pritchard, or yeah, I believe it was Peyton Pritchard, but kind of stepped with him out from the perimeter, stayed close enough that he got to swat the shot by the time it went up at the rim. That was nice to see, even though, his feet look slower than I remember from Arizona. I don't know why that is. Maybe it's because he's wearing black shoes. And black shoes, I don't know, maybe they just look clunkier to me. I'm not really sure. But the Raptors, man, they found their defensive identity, let's say. And then they just kind of started handing the ball off to to Delton. And before that even, Delano Banton had a really, really great stretch. And so the Celtics, as, as I said last podcast, I have qualms about Delano Banton's limitations in the half court but if the Celtics are going to go over on screens and they're going to give him space to attack when he gets to you know pitch play reset pitch play pick and roll and get into space where he gets you know one-on-one against a big and he can hezzy and get to his right hand for a layup maybe he can cut across and, and draw free throws all that kind of stuff that's available to him if the guard is going to respect the jumper and they eventually made that adjustment, and he was left above the free throw line a little bit. But Donald Banton has counters if you're going to go over. And during the regular season, teams are going to go over in the half court because a lot of teams just like to stick to their regular scheme. I think that's a really great thing, by the way. Donald Banton, I was wondering, you know, he's a partial guarantee. Obviously, as, as I said in my coverage, the written stuff, the stuff I talked about on podcasts and videos... He had the inside track, of course, but it's nice to see him kind of really slam, hey, I'm here, I'm here to contribute, and he steps on the floor, he starts pushing in transition, he he was really active in passing lanes, he starts pushing the Raptors forward, I think that's awesome, man, it was really nice to see because Banton has limitations, and basketball is all about improving those things so you don't have limitations, or figuring out ways to kind of game around that. And Banton is, he's a gamer, dude. He's figuring some stuff out. That was really nice to see his stretch. Eight points, three boards, one assist, one steal. Really nice work from him. Wancho, I guess, yeah, talk about Wancho. There's not a lot going on right now. He has the guarantee. I mean, he's fully guaranteed. He's, by all means, looks like part of the Raptors squad. They're probably betting on 
you know, the defense, actually, I should say, he fits in with the defense, which is maybe the biggest indicator of what the Raptors wanted because they probably believe in the jump shot. They believe in some of the, like, a little bit of the handle and, you know, making reads into those dribble handoff stuff. The real vision 6-9 stuff where he can just plug in. But the defense was was not so bad. And that's actually a huge step up for Wancho, who's been pretty bad defensively his his whole career. So that would be the the positive takeaway. The, the negative takeaway is that he's really, really lost offensively. Not sure where to be when he does get the ball. It's kind of toothless. It doesn't look like he, he's ever posing danger to the opposing team. Does that matter? Do you think he's already shown his quality as an NBA guy? Apparently the Raptors think so to some degree. So we'll see about that. Thad, good defense, uh, bad offense. He was kind of hung out to dry without much shooting. They were just like, hey, we're going to run like pitch plays with you and delay action and split action and all this kind of stuff above the break. See what you can do. And when the team was like, hey, we don't really, when the Celtics decided they didn't really respect the shooters, there's not much wiggle room to create stuff. And Thad was in that position. I guess back to the start of the game then, because everybody kind of wants to know how the starters look. At the start of the game, I thought that when they were engaged defensively, it looked awesome. We see a guy, you know, as I talked about the situation where Scott isn't filtering after he gets beat. He's not, he's not going out to, you know, he's not recovering to where he needs to recover to. So other guys have to recover to that spot. Or he's recovering late, and that means that he's not going to get to the closeout in time. It means the guy's punching that gap. So guys have to rotate over to his guy now. And it's just breakdown after breakdown. Early in the game, I think both teams, the Celtics and the Raptors, did a really good job of keeping all of the offense in front of them, overloading, but being really intelligent about rotating and sometimes pre-rotating at the back line, making the teams, whether it's the Raptors or the Celtics, you have to skip it over the top or you have to reset above the break to find the open guy because the team is doing a really good job of zoning up where they need to and pressing the ball where they need to. Both teams did a really good job. The Raptors lost that aspect of their defense quicker than the Celtics did. And part of that was that when the Raptors got open, a guy like Fred Van Vliet went one for six from three. Gary went one for five. You know, Precious went one for five. And the Raptors just as a whole, what, what did they shoot it from three? I guess it would maybe be a little bit affected by the end of the game. But seven for 33? Not great, Bob. Like, <laughs> I know that the, the Celtics weren't much better at 16 for 52, of course. it's That's 9% better, maybe. But... You know, it's it's a meaningful change that especially during the early part of the game, if it was like side top side action, the ball swings or it reaches an open man that Jalen Brown could have been the guy at the end of that shot and or Jason Tatum, even though he didn't shoot that well. But yeah, the, the Raptors definitely struggled as far as shooting the ball in this game. But I mean, OG like had a really nice stop and pop in the lane, little, you know, that stiff arm to Tatum, bump, step back, hit a shot, Pascal, I mean... There's a reason that they were they were much better with like Pascal and Fred on the floor in this game than the Scotty Barnes plus OG plus bench lineup because those guys, they know where to get on the floor to kind of create, even if they're missing shots, there's still a type of cohesion that keeps the defense accountable so you don't get runouts. And when it's guys like Scotty and OG and Precious and Boucher, and I think it was Thad, just those guys running out there, the defense is really ready to jumpstart transition because they don't have to be that engaged to stop it. They're ready to run out. And 
that's where it became a little bit lopsided. But Scotty, I mean, there were some encouraging drives to the rim. There were some encouraging passes made. Pascal, Fred, I don't really care. They've been doing this for a long time. There's an all-star there. There's an all-NBA player there. They're, they're very good. The preseason will never be a referendum on where they are. But Pascal in particular did did show off some nice moves. Like this this one spin, he kept this pivot, and it was like he stopped on a dime where I didn't think you could stop on a dime. His, the way he shifted his weight and kept his balance, you know, he rimmed out on the jumper that came afterwards. But it was like, damn, that's really, really impressive. Uh, Steve Jones, who, you know, former NBA coach, he was he does threads on Twitter, and he was talking about, like, oh, hey, how do you attack this mismatch against the, you know, the Celtics? It's like, well, you have Derek White on you or Marcus Smart or Al Horford. And, you know, the the point is funny because Siakam, when he had White on him, got triple teamed. And that's kind of the point of Siakam is that even a team like the Celtics, who have this vaunted defense, who it's like, yeah, we're going to switch across a lot of positions and maybe Marcus Smart steps up on you. Marcus Smart cannot guard... Pascal Siakam or OG Ananobi one-on-one. Pascal is too big and too skilled, and OG is too big and too strong. There's just there's advantages for those guys to take care of. And that's kind of the crux of the way that the Raptors approached it early, which I thought was fun and good. It was a little bit grimy, but it's just guys trying to find their mismatches and do their thing. And that's why I'm not so worried about the Raptors or any kind of takeaways from the early part of this game. The Raptors are just kind of trying things out there. I wish the defense would have been crisper for longer, but that's not a big deal. The big story of this game is the, like, not even necessarily second string, but third string guys like Birch, Banton, Jackson, Delton, Wilson, Brown. Those guys coming out and really winning their minutes. Like, you you got a plus 23 in Josh Jackson, plus 15 in Delton, plus 13 for Wilson, plus 16 for Brown. And, like, even Wancho, plus 11, Coloco, plus 12, Birch, plus 17. These guys won their minutes because they stayed more connected defensively and they found offense, particularly with Banton and particularly with Delton. Like, good on them. They found a way to win. Yes, it wasn't against the, you know, the Celtics' best players, but it was against some guys who were going to play NBA minutes. And that's what these guys on the Raptors are trying to get to. Josh Jackson trying to carve his way back into an NBA rotation. Delton trying to step into a rotation for, he played four games with Orlando last year, but he wants to play with a team, you know, the full 82. That's what he wants to get to. Wilson, same thing. Brown, same thing. These guys are hustling their butts off and Birch is trying to come back from that meniscus tear and kind of reassert himself as a center who can short roll and hit pop shots and will give you, you know, plus defense. These guys are trying to bring their games to the forefront. And what a job by them. 125 to 119. I think, man, I you you can't help but just kind of sit back and look at those guys and say, I'm proud of them. Because they they absolutely dominated their own minutes. They they yeah. I really, really enjoyed that game. That was awesome to see. The Reggie Evans Award, I'd like to give it to Ken Birch. I thought that he was it's hard to be the backline defender on a defense that moves a lot. Because you have to stay connected and you like it's not about the three, it is to some degree, it's about the three pointers that come, yes. But there's a lot of cuts and drives to the rim that you have to be stepping up for. And when the actions are constantly switching, gaps open up and you just have to be present. Because if if you're one step away from where you're supposed to be, then you're late, you know? And Ken Birch did a really good job of not being late on anything, really. That that was that was great to see. Competed on the glass, competed on defense, and uh, 
actually provided a little bit of offensive pop. The top quick reaction comment is from M. Dougie. Says, starter sucked this game. Yeah, but that's okay. I mean, maybe maybe it would be really, really fun if Scotty was just popping the hell off or OG was just popping the hell off. These guys who you want to see burgeoning aspects of their game. But especially when it comes to Pascal or Fred or Gary, the the aspects of their game are established. You know, what what like Pascal, maybe he's canning pull-up triples, and that's a huge, huge development, but that's probably not expected. Fred, what is he going like? He's I'm sure he'll add some smaller things to his game, but is he going to add something that's going to pop like crazy in preseason? Maybe not. Gary Trent Jr. He's a jump shooter, man. And he was a really, really great one last year. It would surprise me immensely if he started being a guy who got to the rim a bunch and put, you know, significant pressure on the defense. He's a jump shooter and he was taking jump shots. So, yeah, they, they definitely weren't good in this game. It got to a point. You know, well, some of the starters were fine, but it was the lineup that didn't have Pascal or Fred in it that or Gary, I guess, that really, really struggled. Scotty and OG struggled as the main guys. If that's what you want to see, those guys kind of pop, which would be awesome, then I understand. But it's it's a wash, dude. It's preseason. It's it's more than fine. And they ended up winning because look at the end of the bench. Those guys brought it. Uh, M. Dougie, thanks for writing in, man. Thanks for, uh, you know, hanging out on the website. And uh, yeah, do your thing. Uh, I guess I should say also for anybody who's listening, uh, Raptors Republic, I'll have a podcast with Zarar about this very topic, but we are taking subscribers. $6 a month, there's a paywall going up for editorial content. And an example of editorial content will be, you know, most of my written work. This podcast will be free all year. All my YouTube videos will be free all year. And there will be other stuff that goes behind the paywall as well. But if you listen to this podcast, you're a fan of my work or not, I hate the term fan. If you like my work, if you read my work, all that kind of stuff, it's um, it's going to be $6 a month. I think I am worth that money. You don't have to think that. I don't mean it to be an affront to you, but this is Raptors Republic trying to pay its writers what uh, Raptors Republic thinks its writers are worth. So thanks for tuning in with me. I'll probably talk about this more frequently towards the end of podcasts during the season because you know, with a subscriber model, you're trying to constantly bring in more subscribers and all that kind of stuff. And this is a big shift for Raptors Republic. So thanks for tuning in. If you want to subscribe this year, I am fully credentialed, by the way. I will be at the games, talking to the players, at practices, all that kind of stuff. So I think I'll be able to provide really great analysis and stories and all that kind of stuff. I think the $6 is honestly quite cheap for what you'll get. So thanks for tuning in with me. I hope you enjoyed the preseason game. We'll have coverage on everything as the as the season goes on. All right, everybody, thanks for tuning in. Whether you got into this in the morning or at night, have a blessed day and goodbye.